0: It has been five years since the conclusion of the Dark War, and while most of the inhabitants of the Mirrored Lands were unaware of the details of the Great Conflict, the far-reaching consequences of its conclusion have been obvious. The Dwarven strongholds have ended their long self-imposed exile. People once again openly worship the primal gods. The magical realm of Atresh has weakened its veil and now allows its citizens to venture into the world. The continent of Feridon is again inhabitable and experiencing a land rush. A trade boom fills the seas, and while a civil war is weakened the pirate nation, the victors now prowl the trade lanes with a renewed purpose. It is the dawning of a golden age, yet much conflict remains, and many seek to shape the future and make a name for themselves in the coming prosperity. In the far southern edge of the continent of Ilamar lies the Voldenheim coast, a remote tundra near the icy southern seas thought by most to be uninhabited, but for decades secretly hid the slave pens of the Dark Master. A vile and evil place with the sole purpose of breeding droves of warriors and laborers in preparation for the Dark War. Hidden villages were trusted servants, oppressed and subjugated those ancestries the Dark Master deemed monstrous enough to serve his evil purposes. However, the Dark Master was vanquished before he could launch much of his war. No longer constrained by the shadow and demoralizing will of the Dark Master, the slaves quickly revolted and gained their freedom. Nevertheless, after generations of slaves, these people were poorly prepared for a free life and began seeking to establish new futures in many different ways. Some banded together with common ancestries, while others formed more inclusive groups. Some became nomadic hunter-gatherers, while yet others built small settlements. Even others clung to their martial training and sought to become warlords ruling their own lands. It's been five years since those former captives took back their freedom. Five years of strife and turmoil along the Voldenheim coast. The village of Kafnir, one of many such small settlements in the area, has been built by the hard work of its varied citizens. A small community of former captives that look to build a brighter future. But a strange creature has recently been seen roaming near the fields, even mauling a farmer who now fights for his life with the help of the village healers. The Kafnir is not defenseless nor weak. Several of its citizens were trained to be mighty warriors, and have sallied forth to locate and put an end to this new danger. But this seemingly minor incident is just the beginning of a much larger tale. So listen closely, and I will sing to you the Song of the Severed Moon.
1: The blade of TARDIS strikes you down.
2: The cards spell out a grim future for you.
3: Let's see if you truly have nine lives.
4: <laughs> I want to taste your Flash! I, I must taste it.
0: The camera pans to a small wooded clearing. A wild-eyed dire lynx sprints next to a small creek and spins around and prepares to leap. Now facing its pursuers, the animal darts forward to attack.
1: With a hand, a great strong green-skinned hand, wrapped around the handle of a longsword, Garok holds it aloft, and with a prayer to Tardis, casts weapon surge on his armament and as he glares eye to eye with this great blinks, the painted mask upon his face, symbolizing the gods, begins to glow as I cast true strike from it and bring the blade down onto the beast between me and my companion. Oh!
3: Yes,
2: that's how you start
1: it. There you go. Why don't right. I roll again you? just to see? Oh, oh my God! Oh, oh, Let's <laughs> go! What do I get for that? <laughs> holy cow! Tell the, tell the man what he wins. Oh my goodness. Uh, well, I get to choose the better <laughs> result. <laughs> I've never seen that happen before. Well, I'll do it
4: again. We <laughs> no. are in,
2: invincible, unstoppable. Uh, I've only seen it in four in a row one time. Go
4: ahead and uh, do your
0: damage on that. What if I get a third Oh, for a second. No. Nope. All right. I mean, it's clearly at least a crit, but I'm, i may give a little may give a little
4: something
1: yeah. for it. Damn. I was not expecting that.
4: <laughs> That's a hell of a way to start off a
0: campaign. Yeah,
1: first I mean, roll, baby. Nice job.
2: First two rolls.
1: Yeah, pretty would be a 15 points of damage there.
2: Now, did you add you weapon surged?
1: Yeah, that was with weapon surge. Oh. oh. Uh, no, then it would be two more damage. So it would be 17 points of damage. Okay. I got a plus one bonus to the damage roll.
0: As that happens, the reason you lunge forward at the moment you did it is you saw this cat getting ready to do something, and you reacted purely on instinct. You had seen something like this before, but never in a cat. You saw the cat rear back as if it was getting ready to almost, like, vomit, but you saw an energy buildup. So you ram your longsword forward to try to stop this energy buildup as it was getting ready to breathe freezing mist. Because of your amazing double net 20, <laughs> I am not going to use that this turn because uh, you literally got it stuck in his throat. You, s- you see this like the frost come pouring out and instead of Belching forth and hitting you—it's almost like he was forced to swallow that freezing breath. And you—and you see the the pieces of frost trickle down. You see his eyes go blue for a second. Uh, and you know—you you know this is an uncomfortable situation for this lynx. He was hoping that it was just—you know—going to belch it out onto all of you. And because of your amazing reflexes and perfect timing, he had to swallow his own breath weapon.
1: I love it. And as I. I lock eyes with the lynx, something bestial behind my own. We stare each other down, the steam, the cold steam lifts off the sword.
0: And the Um, lynx is still focused on you, but he uh, isn't able to get his full set of attacks. He is going to reach out and swipe at you with a claw, his jaws seem to be a little busy holding in that cold, and you actually see him snap his jaws apart, and the cold and the frost built up and kind of frozen his teeth together. So he has to strain and pull and you see him snap back apart. But uh, that does prevent him from using his jaw attack on you as well. However, a claw attack he can do which I'm going to roll uh, pretty well there. That is not enough to be a crit, but it's real close. So that is 13 damage from a claw attack on you. And he's going to go ahead and make a swipe with that second claw. And I'm going to miss by one. Uh-huh. So you managed to get out of the way uh, from that second claw. He's still just reeling from the inconvenient action.
1: Well, as the claw digs into my shoulder, I'm going to use a reaction to cast Blood Vendetta. Uh, the requirement is I can bleed. <coughs> I can. <laughs> Confirmed. Uh, he's going to need to make a will save. So I cry out to my god. 21. 21, huh? You son of a bitch. That's a success. So he takes half half the persistent bleed damage. So it's 2d6, so roll it and divide it or just roll one?
0: Well, that does still t- it is still technically his turn. Yeah. Uh, because it happened based on the attack. So yeah, go ahead and roll it and have it.
1: Five, so two.
0: And I'll make a flat check against that. As I end my turn, I will fail it. Aha. Uh-huh. And the lynx is definitely not off to a good start here. You can tell... That is cornered. You can tell that it's afraid. You can tell that, that makes it dangerous. And as much as you are in a good position, you realize it has not forgotten about the
4: fact that your friend Thorgrim has moved up behind it as well. The Knoll is is hunched forward so far that that he's almost on all fours, and in fact, he's using not just his his hind legs but his his front paws, if you will, to to give him greater momentum as he comes in. Uh, his jaw is is almost unhinged. It, it's uncannily wide, and he's got a, a giant maw of, of just razor sharp fangs, uh, which are partially obscured now by um, just just globules of, of saliva. Um, I mean, you could almost see him ready to taste this creature. Uh, so he comes in with, trying to get a vicious bite uh, at the lynx, and uh, oh, rolls. Very, very well, and in fact, rolls enough to... Oh, I think he's gonna miss my... Oh, wait, hold on. Ha <laughs> ha! So, uh, okay, so I believe with a flanking bonus, as a matter of fact, or versus flanking AC, uh, he is actually gonna crit because his total is, in fact, 31, mm-hmm. but a versus a flanking AC, so that's a crit. Uh, yes. As a matter of fact, this is gonna, <laughs> this is gonna go down nasty. Those teeth, there's just more teeth than there seem that there should be its mouth i mean even for a canine type creature uh with hyena like distinctive hyena like features uh not bad not bad in terms of uh damage roll so it looks like we're at 13. so that's 25 points of damage uh, on the link with that first attack Now, now that the saliva is now flecked it's it's red now it's it's not white and foamy it's red and foamy pink uh and you'd see him pause for even just a second to slurp up some of that blood uh, and then go in because he wants more. He wants more flesh. Mm. That's good. Oh, That's, that's nat holy 20. shit! <laughs> holy shit! Well, friends, that's going to be a second crit. So a- Augustus saves <laughs> a room for later. Yeah. Oh, we got a feast, man. We're going oh, to burn them all now. So man. you know, in in and uh, so the gods oh, yeah. giveth and they taketh away. That's a one and a two on my damage dice. Uh, so that is actually only fifteen points of damage uh so is, only 40 so far so the guy who did 40 on his yeah again. well what are you gonna do <laughs> uh for that third action though instead of making another attack uh he senses that that lynx is is starting to have some hesitation um as well as some severe hemorrhaging because there's a lot of blood coming out of it at this point point. and so he he looks at it and he just gives it a, a almost kind of a howl if you will a, a, a quivering kind of uh hysterical sort of how mixed with laughter, uh, and and just glares at it to try to see if he can enhance that that fear that it may be starting to fear uh, to feel, and so he's going to make a uh, demoralized check. Uh, probably not going to be enough. It's a nineteen total uh, versus Will DC on intimidation. Yeah, you're going to miss. I am going to miss. Okay, so he is not by, frightened one. by not a lot, mm-hmm. but you did miss. Uh, and uh, you know he just kind of, ah, you know that Thorgrim doesn't appear to be quite sensical. <laughs> you know, I mean. He's not. doesn't appear to be thinking logically, and for some reason, his his wildly gyrating eyes happen to glance over at Turk, uh, and he just sort of fixes on him for a moment. You know,
2: who knows why? As the camera follows Thorgrim's eyes to the back of the field away from the scrum, where the sunlight glints off uh, the glasses of a devilishly handsome blue kobold, who reaches into his pocket and pulls out a deck of hero cards, And you can feel the power emanating from these cards as he's watching the combat. But as that link missteps and swallows its own uh, attack, he smiles. Never seen a cat get its own tongue before. Unfortunately for you, it's the crows. And floating a card from the deck, it is in fact the crows card. And Turk will launch a phase bolt at this beast. Which will just hit uh, for 11 damage. And as his cantrip sinks home and he sees that his friends are just murdering it, he doesn't even need to take his third action. He just looks at Scratch and says, It's your time, my friend. Finish this. As Scratch
3: moves into the battle, you see the rat folk, white snow rat, moving forward for getting into the action. And he screams at him, How about a little rat Scratch fever?
1: <laughs> uh, I love it.
3: <laughs> and funny. as he acts like he's going to move in from the left, he's actually going to fake out and strike to the right. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, let's see here. So that would be a 28.
0: 28 to faint? Yes. And faint is, is versus perception.
3: Perception? Please, sir. That is not enough to crit. So now I'm actually going to follow through with moving in from the right, slicing through. It's a hit.
0: <laughs> Ratch, scratch fever is a hit. You
3: yeah. Know what? It's, and now it's stuck it's in my damn one. head for like three days now. I'm going to have that's Ted Nugent bouncing around oh. in my brain. So that's 10 points of damage on that first attack. And then for my third action, uh, I'm going to do dual parry to gain a plus two to my AC. Uh, I'm going to look at Garrick and be like,
1: finish him off. As Garak grips the hilt of his sword and pulls it from the jaws as if uh, one would a sword from a stone, he brings it back down on the head of the beast, uh, but comes up short as it snaps back away, hunched on its hind legs too quick, and uh, as I swing and miss, Garak will cast Bless as he utters a prayer. You see a wave of holy energy emanate out from him and ripple through the snow. And he looks at the lynx, and though he doesn't, they don't share a language. He mutters, TARDIS WILL GUIDE ME TO STRIKE YOU DOWN.
0: Well, the lynx has a decision to make. Because the champion before it seems to be a fearsome and deadly foe. However, the knoll behind him took a big chunk out of his hide. So he's going to try to hit the knoll. once. He's going to whip around. And with his cat-like reflexes and try to bite at you as you come in those fortunately you since you're not wielding a traditional weapon as your hand comes in the cat tries to bite it and Ooh. he is going to he is going to bite it most certainly' I'm just gonna roll biting at the hand that's trying to feed off of him he is
1: oh we fueled him with with our crits oh god <laughs> oh God <laughs> to shreds you say <laughs> <laughs>
0: As he manages to grab your hand uh, very firmly, you think you're going to be able to maneuver out of the way, but it just it just gets you and chomps you, and those sharp needle-like teeth bite down on you for 35 points of damage as he gets a nasty little critical hit in on the knoll.
4: That is a not insignificant,
1: number. Yeah.
0: But then he's going to come around with his other two claws and st- swipe at Garrick in the back. He kind of does the cat thing where he... As he bites, he kind of pushes down, so it brings his back feet around to you, and those back claws swipe out at you both at the same time. Going to, one of them is going to miss. He's a little too focused on Garrick or on Turk. Damn it! He's a little too focused on Thorgum and uh, both of them miss. He, whatever damn kid you are.
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs> thinking the
4: same thing. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Get in
0: here. <laughs> <laughs> but both of those claws are definitely going to miss Garrick. It's a little bit of a wild attack, anyway. But he's getting desperate. He's got to do everything he can. But Thorgrim, you just took a wallop in from
4: this cat here. Anything you are gonna do in reply? Oh yeah. Thorgrim uh, looks down at his hand, which is splurting blood, and, and he he starts laughing again, hysterically. <laughs> and he leans down and he and he starts laughing for just a moment, looking at his own hand and and kind of relishing the taste of the blood. And then his attention is drawn back to the to the cat, and he, and he goes in, for again, for another vicious bite. He seems to be aiming at the spot where he tore a hole open in its hide earlier, seeing if he can get it at more flesh that way. Um, let's see. That would appear to be enough for a hit, not a crit. Uh, so that uh, attack is going to do a total of 11 points of damage. And he's going to follow it up with another one. Um, almost, um, you know, again, there's so much blood, so many flavors. <laughs> and that one oh I don't think it's going to be quite enough let me look no I'm going to miss it I'm going to be a little short there um, so hmm he's going to try to do that um,
1: he's going to go he's going to uh,
4: do a, he's not going to be able to
1: hit this I think thing. you hit with flank.
4: oh you know what actually that may have been the case um, plus
1: nine yeah you know what uh, I was
4: plus eight and I had a twelve you roll twelve. I thought twelve. Yeah, I think Probably it was. was okay, serious. so I don't was, know which turn it was. Yeah, so it would have been twenty with flank. So I guess that is enough just to get him. So, uh, well, <laughs> well, <laughs> that's seven point, Seven more points of damage, uh, and then for his last option, um, he feels he can do better. He's gonna scare that thing. He's gonna try one more time to do that intimidate check. Uh, yeah, he's gonna do worse than before. So he misses on that uh, that intimidate check and, um, and, and and for almost a moment there's uh, just a little bit of clarity and he, he kind of hunches for a moment because he, he remembers that that magical bolt that just sort of came from nowhere uh, struck fairly close to where he was uh, as he was standing next to the creature. And he kind of glanced almost, I wouldn't say fearfully, but in alert uh, towards Turk to see if, if something similar is going to happen and if he needs to, to be aware to dodge out of the way
2: seemingly almost bored with what's going on. Turk is slowly walking forward, shuffling the cards. He's attempting to get a sense of the future of this beast. And in fact, if he can get a hold of that thread, he's going to try to delete one of this beast's futures. And he's going to float to the top of the deck the Demon's Lantern and cast Unraveling Blast. Please make a will save. Twenty. Unfortunately, the thread gets severed as that particular future is now gone. Take 17 damage.
1: Feels like a low number for such a metal spell, but.
2: <laughs> uh, I think I rolled a little low. Um, but, like, as he's walking forward and cast, I sense he is close scratch, and not in that way. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I hate you sometimes. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Well, Scratch is going to turn and look at the links. <laughs> I'm going to sell your coat. And he's going to go in for, I'm just thinking about what you said. <laughs> <laughs> Two hands. <laughs> that Red is. broken. <laughs> is that lipstick I see? <laughs> oh, fuck. I told totally you Okay still do damage. <laughs> yeah I know <laughs> so I bombed that but with this finisher I'm still gonna deal half of the damage so <laughs> of, just, the-
2: of just the 3d6 yeah
1: so just the half the damage of your finisher not the regular attack right. right still cool and yeah, pretty good
3: so half of the 3d six if this roll is five
0: five damage to the links how's it go scratch mm, yeah mm.
3: Well, since I said I'm going to settle his coat, Scratch is going to come in straight ahead and look like he missed, but he sure didn't. And he caught him right in his neck and starts pulling up and skinning him alive.
1: (laughs) Oh, shit.
0: As the combat dies, the camera pans away from the blood-drenched grass. Our four heroes are still catching their breath, but one by one they turn their heads to the sky. With dusk settling and the night sky becoming visible, two large red objects can be seen streaking through the sky, leaving a dull glow on the terrain below. Though the distance makes them look like they're moving slowly across the sky, a keen eye would notice that they seem to be racing for position, with one pulling in front for a while and then the other. The hearts of our heroes become dismayed by this celestial omen, Many hours later, just after daybreak, our heroes finally enter their home village, Kafnir, a small settlement of just a few hundred souls. Working together, the citizens of Kafnir have managed to make a life for themselves. A hard life, but one with a chance for a better future. Built mostly from plentiful lumber, the village was proudly ringed with a sturdy palisade wall. At this early hour, many of the inhabitants are exiting the main gate to spend the day working their fields. It's late in the season, and most households are eager to finish the harvest.
1: So, as Gerak drags his heavy feet across the cobblestone street, uh, as he passes a gnoll woman uh, sitting with her back braced up against a statue and a hand outstretched, uh, a band around her eyes, he nods to his companions and tells them, I'll catch up with you. Give me a minute.
2: I'll catch up with you. <laughs> yes.
1: And uh, as the joke sinks in, only after a few steps, as Garrett walks towards this knoll, he sinks down beside her and drawing from his pouch uh, a remaining rations from their trek out into the wilderness. He announces his presence and puts a hand on the blind knoll's shoulder. Zava, we're back.
2: Oh, it's quite alright. I could hear you coming from a mile away. for so loud Are you hungry? Oh, just a bit peckish.
1: And he, like, places the the rations in her hand and puts her other hand over them. There you go. It's what I had left over.
2: You are a good boy.
1: I do what I can.
2: Something... (laughs) Something guides your hand, my boy, I can sense it. But tell me, I hear talk in the streets of fires in the sky, lights, though I, cannot, I could not see them. What, what were these fires in the sky?
1: I don't know for sure. But when we slayed the beast, we looked into the sky and we saw two fires racing. It seemed as if they were trying to take the lead from each other. Where they're racing to, I don't know, but they're still in the sky. We can see them now.
2: Are these portents of something new, or is it not anything to worry about?
1: I expect they mean something, but TARDIS has not told me what they mean, and I have not had the time to ask.
2: I'm sure your new god will light your way.
1: It always does.
2: Turk nods to the other two who are still remaining. See you later. And he laughs at his own little joke because, you know, the harrow cards guide him at all times. But turning down the street, he heads to a a house. Very plain, you know, wooden walls. But walking in through the front door, there's a a hobgoblin sitting on a ill-designed couch. And the hobgoblin's missing an arm.
0: It's rather disarming.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Well, that's what happened to him. Voice in the it's sky. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Muggsy. Hey,
1: what's so funny? You look like you got something to laugh about.
2: Oh, just a little pet project we had to take care of. <laughs> yeah, I don't,
1: I don't know what that means.
2: No skin off its back. Yeah, right. Uh, how are you feeling?
1: Yeah, as good as I can.
2: You, right. uh, you managed to work your way around town, check things out yet?
1: Yeah, I done the rounds a little bit. I gotta thank you again for letting me, uh, you know, stay here, with you?
2: Of course, Muggsy, we go back, and Turk, like, takes his bag and, like, throws it on the table and sits down. And, uh, sits down on a stool sized for him, you know? Like, this is, this house is much bigger than he needs, but, I don't know, Muggsy, it's not like the old days. Things were simpler in the insurgency. I mean,
1: yeah, but do you really want to go back?
2: No, no, you can't go back, but I don't have a clue how to go forward.
1: It's a real puzzle. I mean, we're broke. Got a house, at least. Media is flying through the sky, you know.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna have to do some reading on
1: that. You got a card for that?
2: (laughs) I've got a card for everything, Muggsy. Don't you worry.
3: Uh, so, as... Scratch walks into town and he has his hide which he said he was going to sell. He's going to make his way straight to the shop to try and get some extra coin for himself. Ding! <laughs> Patty, you home?
4: Yeah, I'll be there in a second. Hold, hold on. Uh, let me just put this away. And see. Oh, hey, Scratch! How you doing? Uh, hey, what do you got there? Hmm, that's a, that's a good looking... Is that a, a snow cap pelt? Is, hey. What?
3: It sure is. I brought it straight to you.
4: Well, it's... Oh, look at that. Uh, It looks warm.
3: Not a flea inside. I checked it
4: myself. No, but what are all those terrible gashes throughout the thing? I mean, we, we were in a fight with him. I mean, you know, there's like fifty percent of that thing left. What what did you do to it? Fifty? Yeah, right. I mean, at best, I mean, maybe more like thirty-five. I mean, I, I couldn't give you full value for it.
3: Why are you always trying to break my balls over here?
4: Well, I mean, <laughs> also have you <laughs> have you have you processed that you're a rat bringing in a cat pelt? That's a little weird, isn't it?
3: The cat chased the rat, and the rat ended the story.
4: Yeah, I'm not sure how that goes. I don't I don't think that's how that's supposed to go. In my world, it does all right, I'll tell you what, I, I could give you 40% of that thing, but I mean, look at this, wait a minute.
3: 40%? What are you saying well, here that, 40%? The
4: whole side is all, it's all red, it's all covered in... A little stains. bit of soap,
3: a little bit of water, scrub-a-dub-dub in the tub, oh, the time it's, it's good gonna, to go. The
4: time it's gonna take me to get this done, I don't, I don't think I can... Ah. All right, 45%, maybe.
3: 45%? You're killing me! I
4: have miles to pay! At most fifty. Myself? that's Fifty is my final offer. That's the best I can do. what, 50? what do you want? You are taking the you're taking my my uh, I, I gotta make a profit on this. I gotta turn you around make and a sell profit. it.
3: This is a Lynx fat.
4: Uh, it's I, I don't know. You
3: go out there and hot one.
4: It looks like it uh, It's good. I, I, I Alright, alright, all right, all right. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. How about this? How about this, okay? Fifty percent and then uh, after I uh, get it together um, you get it all ready, nice, and sell it, and so forth. Um, you know, if I get a better price for it than I think I can get, because, again, it's pretty messed up, uh, I'll give you a bonus. So you get 50% now, and, and then you get the bonus in the future. I mean, come on. That's a good deal. You know I'll do my best on this thing. We're straight shooters, you and I. We can trust each other. Come on. You got this, huh? Here, look. Here, here you go. Here's here's hard copper right now. Here you go for it. Scratch reaches across, takes the
3: copper, starts thumbing it through.
4: Oh shoot! I sorry. I think I miscounted. Let me do that again. Let me get. Ca- oh yeah. Here you go. There's a few more. I I, I sorry about that. I, you got me all flustered here. Yeah, I, I you, know. you know how it is, right? I'm gonna take that ring with me too. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, a family heirloom. That's
3: part of it. That's a wedding. I'm coming back
4: that's for a, the bonus. That's like a wedding uh, thing. as it's, it's my wedding ring.
3: <laughs>
4: Buzz. Engagement ring. What are you doing?
3: <laughs> I'm taking the ring, Patty <laughs> Mel.
4: No, look, look. We can be made a deal here. I think this is...
3: I'm just a, covering what's mine. No, for
4: God's sake. Fine, listen. But uh, uh, trust me. Okay, fine. Take it. Whatever. Get out. I can't believe you're my best friend. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> You sure about that? <laughs> Got me fucked up! <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. That's the best character you've ever Things, <laughs> things I do for her. Thorgrim makes his way through town, greeting uh, people as he as he does, uh, nodding. Um, Hello. <laughs> oh, good to see you. Uh, that's Looks like that's healed up quite a bit. I don't think it's infected anymore at all. Oh, glad you're feeling better. Hmm hello hello <laughs> good to see good to see you yes oh no the, yes the uh the uh lynx was, oh, was a terrible terribly difficult fight um the thing was fearsome but um I prevailed in the end hopefully haha, will not be troubled by creatures such as that anymore um good to see you good to see you so thorgram makes his way through the town to kind of a wooded area on someone on the outskirts and there is a a simple thatched cottage there it's not very large And there's a trickle of smoke that is exiting through a hole in the uh, in the roof. He comes to the doorway and he peers into the darkness, uh, which is um, there are flickering lights and shadows inside uh, because there's a small fire set in a ring of stones in the very center of the hut. He peers inside and says, uh, "Wise one, are you there? Hello, ching." Have I interrupted your meditation? I- I'm sorry, I can come back. please come in. Thank you, wise one. Um... Ching. um are, are you well? Aren't we all well? Ching. Well, I-, I suppose so. Um, we- we're back. We d- uh, managed to defeat the lynx. Ching. It-, it was um, a snow lynx. Um, uh, we, um... It was quite a fight, actually, but um, no injuries among us, um, so uh, it was successful, I think. Uh, We've removed um, a threat to the village, uh, so that's good. Um, Have you been working on your techniques? Oh, um... Well, um... I I blacked out again. Uh, We we had encountered the creature, and... uh, Well, at least we we found its its sign, and... um, we were attempting to set a snare for it, uh, hoping we might be able to, to capture it. I insisted that we should try to, to do that first. Um, and um, as we were trying to set that up, it, it, it <laughs> I mean, a stealthy creature. It, it came upon us and um, it attacked us while we were attempting to do so. Um, and uh, I remember it coming at me with its, its jaws open and its, its front claws, um, its frightfully long claws. The, the thing was, it was large, very, very big, and. And I, I saw those claws coming to me, and the next thing I know, I, uh, the fight was over. And uh, I, I had its flesh in my mouth. I, 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 I blood. I was covered in blood again. Um, oh, yes, yes, wise one. Step closer. Uh, yes. Yes, uh, wise one. And he steps fully into the, uh, into the, the thatched uh, cottage, and, and there's an old uh, knoll sitting uh, by the fire. And um, uh, he he appears to be in a state of meditation, a, a, a pose of, of rest. Sit down, Walker. Oh, okay. Um, just here by the fire, then. It
3: seems that you gave in to your fear. The last thing you remember were the
4: claws. It was coming at me, Master, I, I, Wise One. I, I, I it would have. Could have killed me. And what did we
3: practice before you left on this adventure?
4: Uh, we we practiced finding um, our uh, inner peace. Yes, our center, our center. Uh, yes. But that's it was it was a life or death situation. But the rage, I could still sense it. Everything went red. And
3: mm-hmm. Since I can feel and sense that coming through while you're talking, I'm going to be working on. A different like incense like mixing in different types of herbs and remedies and I'm going to set it on fire and then I'm going to say look over at Thorgrim let all your air out of your body
4: um okay
3: (sighs) and when I blow this at you take all the energy in (laughs)
4: <laughs> that's uh, Wise one, that's quite potent
3: This will help cleanse you of your fear And your anger <laughs> Okay Now please Practice what we have done
4: Okay, the, the breathing wise one
3: Okay Don't okay. give in to your fear It had such
4: Sharp claws. And then uh, they just sit there by the fire breathing in and out uh, the herbs and and the camera pulls away. We jump ahead
0: a few days. Once again, the village is quite active right now. It's getting close to winter and the weather could turn at any moment. So everybody's trying to get their last minute chores done, bring in everything they can. Uh, Winters can be a little rough in this area and being prepared can mean the difference between life or death but everybody is also distracted for those two comets streak through the sky and even now they've grown bright enough that you can see them during the day even the brightness of the sun is not enough to blot them out is it a bad omen is it a good omen what are they what do they mean why do they seem quite so close to the earth They seem celestial in nature but they seem too close to be among the stars and the village seems very distracted and very nervous and often they look to the four mighty heroes, the ones who so recently slew the cat that had been menacing the fields. And The four of you find yourself standing there towards the center of town one day as several people have stopped to ask you and maybe not directly but they all seem to need a little reassurance.
1: They're almost right overhead of us.
2: If one more person asks me if they should sacrifice something, I think I'm going to say yes.
1: They're just scared, Turk.
2: Well... It is odd. Even my hero readings are cloudy.
1: I wish I had an answer.
2: Celestial things was always Merc's area of expertise.
1: The name is not here. For many reasons.
2: I've had uh, many people
4: who've uh, come up to me uh, expressing concern about um, about those comets. Um, they appear to be um, quite, um, well, I mean, they're not in panic mode at this point, but um, uh, they are frightened, in fact, um, unnerved at the very least. I, I've, I've tried to uh, help them, you know, teach them how to be a calm, you know, make them feel more assured, have that sort of inner presence. Um, but um, uh, it's becoming increasingly difficult. Um, These portents are... I mean, all sorts of talk is going on.
1: You do have a calming presence about you. Just being around you, I feel at ease.
4: You know, I I thought about maybe we should try to gather them at some sort of thing and and, and express reassurance. I could provide a little speech, perhaps. um, uh, Something to just sort of reassure them.
2: Perhaps that's an excellent idea. Maybe I'll... uh, Maybe I could... Uh, speak to them, and, and you could provide some points as well. Oh yes, mm-hmm. I've been working on it. And it, like, as like Thorgrim is talking about, like, oh, and I'll talk to the crowd. You could see, like, in Turk's eyes, like,
1: <laughs>
2: mm.
4: <laughs> I, I have a little rousing story that I thought I might tell them about um, a terrible plague that came upon the land one time uh, during a, a, a comet sign like that years ago. Um, I thought they might learn a lot from that. Perhaps the truth is not always the best mm. option. You know, sometimes they say they like, assassinations occur, at the <laughs> royalty, I mean, um, crops die, all sorts Wh- of things. Why don't you
2: just let me take point and you chip in with things that... You sort know, of punctuate the yeah, thing, you, yes, know, you know, jazz yes, it up a bit, so yes, to speak. Oh, yes,
4: you mm. understand. Yes, I'd like to try that. Mm. We'd be a good team, I
1: think, you
2: and I. Mm. Absolutely. Excellent, yes.
1: Perhaps a passage from the, the Holy Scriptures.
2: Yes, mm. I'm sure your little story will bring them comfort. <laughs> Uh, some of those books in the back. Those are
1: fascinating. You know. I've only translated part of it. Mm-hmm,
4: mm-hmm. What but does apocrypha mean?
1: I don't know. I think it's elvish. Oh, really?
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are delicious. I mean, they <laughs> are... Excuse me. I don't know say the word. Today. I meant uh, uh, mm-hmm. delightful. said <laughs> the wrong word.
2: Not that I terribly mind scratch, but you're uncharacteristically quiet.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm just listening in.
3: On my way over here. The pubs were running wild with people drinking lots of ale. More than normal.
2: The ascension into alcoholism is perhaps not the best uh, move for this little hamlet. Uh, Here's what I propose. We gather the the crowd, if you will. Now that the four of us have talked and people are looking... Everyone nod your heads and smile. Look, look like we've come to consensus that everything is fine. We'll talk. We'll talk to them. Yeah,
4: yes. <laughs> I'll. I'll here, watch this. I'm going to glance up at the the, the, uh, the comets in the air. And I'm going to give them like almost a like a condescending like. Bah, they mean nothing. <laughs> Not much the the crowd will love this. Mm-hmm. Did you see that? <laughs> uh, see that? I love, I, think. The, I love the part
1: where you went. Bop.
2: Yeah, did you like that? That's yes. great. Uh-huh. I, I, I thought that was a nice touch myself. Mm-hmm. And like Turk is like flipping through his cards and pulls one out and it's like a picture of the town on fire and he just <laughs> like buries it deep in the deck. It's like.
4: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's that one? The tower, and I see that there's a skeleton with a with a
2: scythe. Oh no, that's 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 the harvest card. <laughs> don't worry about. No, yeah. it's fine.
1: Oh, no, harvestable. That means yeah. bounty.
2: If probably. I'm if I'm not, I mean, if I'm not doing a hero, it's it, the the cards don't really mm-hmm. matter. Yes. Why is that
1: one so, a picture of scratch in a cage getting lowered into a fire?
2: <laughs> well, some fortunes are God, that resemblance
1: is, is that uncanny. That
2: some some why think, did you get that card? Some <laughs> things fate decrees, and some things we as people can influence to happen. Look at his hair starting to
4: catch up by his fur.
2: It's like it's... Regardless, gentlemen, we're off topic. The the red thing's in the sky. Let's, uh, hmm. Why don't we address the town? As
0: our four heroes plot to encourage the town, to maybe gather them together and see if they can't calm the fears that's being felt around the village of Kafnir. But little did they know of the dangers that would soon fall upon them. For elsewhere along the Voltenheim coast, the singing had already begun, and an enemy has awoken.
3: Throw.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so
0: tune in next week, and maybe we'll see what's happening elsewhere along the Voltenheim coast.